0: Yeah
1: Jeremy and Rachel, I and you know that just uh, that's why you don't want to miss Friday night. You're going to have just all kinds of encouraging songs like that. Open your Bibles, please, to First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, and just a couple of moments we'll be picking up our reading with uh, verses 12 and 13. And um, as a whole, would we'll be in the New Living Translation, but. I'm going to also uh, change things around and, and read from a couple of other translations as well. But Today we begin a new sermon series entitled The Biggest Battle. And in this series, <clears throat> we will be dealing with a battle that we all fight. Every one of us. Young, old, we fight this battle and it's a battle against temptation. Now, I, I believe that God has given me what Maybe we can just call a divine burden uh, for this topic because I so desperately want us as followers of Christ to live in victory. But the reality is that many of us are not. We're not living in victory. We go up, we do battle against a particular temptation, but when the dust settles, many times we come out having lost that battle. Now, I've spoken on the matter of temptation many different times, but normally it's just one point in a sermon or at most, you know, a single sermon. But Lord willing, we're going to go into more depth and we're going to look at this topic for the next three weeks or so. And let me just quickly outline the general direction that I I feel led to go, and that may change a little bit from week to week. But today's just going to be very simple. We're going to lay the foundation for this series We're going to give four basic truths about temptation. Next week, we're going to look at how to resist temptation. And even though I don't have that message completely fleshed out yet, here's a question that we want to consider. And I was sharing this with our early morning prayer meeting. But why would we go through the struggle of resisting temptation tomorrow when in many instances we have the power to eliminate it today? In other words, some of us are fighting temptations that we shouldn't have to fight, simply because we could just basically pull the plug and cut off the power to that temptation today. Now, that would eliminate not all, but many of the temptations that we deal with day after day after day. And so that's what, Lord willing, we want to deal with next week. And then... Then the third week, we're going to find out that what you feed grows and what you starve dies. So if you feed those virtues that are good, they will grow. And if you starve those things that are bad in our lives, then they will die. You ready to roll? Are you awake? All right, as we look at this topic, understand that there are many forms of temptation. Your temptation could be something very big, or it could be something very small and seemingly insignificant. It could be something that you've never, ever told anybody about, or it could be something that the entire town knows about. It could be a struggle with alcohol. It could be smoking something that you shouldn't smoke. It could be shooting something that you shouldn't shoot. And I'm not talking about hunting. It could be popping pills that you shouldn't pop. Are you aware that one of the most common addictions today is the addiction to legal pain meds? Hydrocodone. And you would be surprised how many people steal or beg pain meds off of others or how many people make frequent trips to the ER to get their quote-unquote legal fix. Your temptation could be an eating disorder. Whether it's eating too much or too little, it has a grip on you. And then you don't have to look, if you would turn around, and you, don't, you wouldn't have to look beyond three or four people right next to you and see someone that probably has some type of a lust or sexual addiction. For others, the area of temptation is spending, and, and they get their high from always buying something. For some, their temptation is gambling. They, they drive up to the casinos, or now you can just gamble online or, or even in our local stores through the lottery. And then as innocent as it seems, many, many, many of us are addicted to our mobile devices. And you know, if we happen to leave our phone at home, we just about go crazy and have withdrawals. And we'll go back during a break and grab our phone. And, and what's sad is you, you can't even have a decent conversation or enjoy a quiet meal with family and friends or, or even get through one service at church without a phone interrupting. And maybe this is a good time to make sure that your phone is on silent. And maybe in your pocket or in your purse. Others are also tempted in the area of gossip. And and they hear some juicy news and, and their speed dial is way too slow. Because they can hardly wait to share that juicy news with others. Now, if you've been listening here and you've been thinking, well, none of those situations hit me and I can't think of any area where I'm tempted, then I would say your area of temptation is pride and arrogance. Because as we will find out today, we are all tempted. Now, we're going to be using one text as a springboard for the next several weeks. And even though we'll be bringing in other, other scriptures as well, yet um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 will provide the foundation for the entire series. And follow along. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Verse 12, so if you think you're standing firm... Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And I love the way the Message Bible says it. It says these are all warning markers. Danger in our history books written down so that we don't have to repeat their mistakes. Our positions in this story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. And we're just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Oh, Eugene Peterson is so good there. He helps us sometimes to just really understand uh, what what God's word is saying to us. Okay, let's begin by looking at the definition of, of temptation. And even though there are different definitions and there are different variations of those definitions, let me give you the one that we'll be using Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Let me say it again. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Now, as we talk about that, let me say that there is a brief moment of satisfaction when you give in to temptation. In fact, the medical and the scientific world, they say that when you give in to temptation, your brain releases a little chemical. I, I believe it's called dopamine. And that little chemical rewards you with a little high or a buzz or a thrill. That that chemical gives you a brief moment of satisfaction. Now, of course, that buzz doesn't last very long. But there's no denying that, that giving in to temptation gives a moment of satisfaction. Let's look at four truths about temptation. Truth number 1, it is not a sin to be tempted. The Bible makes this clear in different places and and for example, we see that Jesus was tempted, did Jesus sin? Nope. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says That's why we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven. Jesus, the son of God, let us cling to him. Never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. It's very important for you to understand that it is not a sin to be tempted. And here's the reason you need to understand that. You will be tempted. You know, Satan is a master of bringing temptations to us. He brings stuff before our eyes. He brings stuff before our minds. But, But here's what I want to point out. Satan plays dirty. Did you know that? And after Satan brings those temptations before us, do you know what he does? He tries to make us think that those temptations that he brought before us our sin. And, and and He will go all out to heap a load of false guilt upon us. So, so that's why you need to understand that temptation is not sin. Let me give a couple of down-to-earth Cedar County examples uh, to help us understand the difference between temptation and sin. Let's say that God has convicted you on the matter of eating so many sweets. I don't know why you'd ever do that, but... This is just a pretend situation, okay? And and because God has convicted you, maybe through the doctor's advice, whatever, you felt that you need to stay away from the Sunday morning donuts here at church. This may really get close to some of us. (laughs) And and so you walk into the church and and you're one of the few people that actually gets here not only on time, but a little bit early. And so that knocks out about half of you there. And... uh, and you walk in and you smell the coffee and it smells so good. Thanks to Dean for, you know, just her faithfulness to make coffee. Let's give Dean a hand. That's, Thank you, Dean, for being so faithful to uh, Dean Caldwell. She gets here about 5, 5.30 Sunday mornings and makes your coffee. And so... When you see Dean, make sure that uh, you express your appreciation. But anyway, you you smell the coffee. It it smells good. And you realize you have time before the service to enjoy a cup of coffee with your friends. So you walk over to the coffee corner to get the coffee. And as you do so, you walk right by the donuts. Now, as you walk by those donuts, the one with chocolate frosting looks at you. And whispers ever so sweetly, Take me. I belong to you, baby. <laughs> Enjoy me. I'm yours. And you want that donut so badly. Um, but you know you shouldn't. You get your cup of coffee and walk away from there. So you were tempted. You looked at the donuts They spoke to you enticingly, but you walked away. Did you sin? No. Congratulations. Okay, let's go a step further. What if as you were walking by to get your coffee, that donut spoke to you in that sweet voice? And you stopped and picked up the donut and smelled it, but you put it back down without taking a bite. Would you have sinned? Probably not but you're playing with fire. You're you're getting too close. Okay, one more step. As you walk by the donuts, you hear that sweet voice, I'm yours, baby. And you take the donut and you lick the chocolate icing off. But then you put the donut back in the box. (laughs) Did you sin? Did you sin? Well, I'm not here to judge you, but um, I'd say that you crossed the line. Not to mention that you just made a bunch of people uncomfortable with your actions. Let me give you another example. Let's say that you're driving down the road, and and ladies, you see a guy jogging on the side of the road with no top or no shirt on, and he has ripples in the right places. Or or maybe, men, you see a girl jogging, and, and she does have a top on, but barely. She doesn't leave much left to the imagination. But but you keep on driving despite the temptation to stop and engage in a conversation and maybe want to invite them to church. <laughs> but you keep on driving. Did you sin? No. Now, what if you saw that person jogging and and you decided to turn around and go back by that person again just to make sure that they didn't get hit by the car behind you? did you sin well again not to be your judge but you probably went too far temptation came knocking and you cracked open the door one more example let's say that you're on the internet and you see a pop-up ad for the new sports illustrated swimsuit edition now you ignore the ad and you don't let your eyes look at it you move on with whatever you're doing on the computer did you sin no Okay, let's see. the let, Let's say that you see that ad, and, and, and you know how those ads are really small, and you you don't click on it, but you begin to stare at that super small image of that lady in a swimsuit, and you get as close to the screen as possible. Uh, again, you don't click on it, but you're staring for all you're worth. Uh, did you sin? Well, I'm not the judge, but you're probably opening the door to sin, because if you're staring that closely, probably. You're going to be so curious, you're going to click on that image, which will take you to the website. Did you sin? Yes, you opened the door for sin. Now, I know these are very silly illustrations, but I want to make sure that you understand that temptation is not the same as sin. And our spiritual enemy wants to make us think that every time we're tempted, every time we walk by a donut and want a bite... Or every time we drive by a scantily clad jogger and are tempted to turn around. Or every time we're on our computer and we see an ad that piques our interest, Satan wants to make us think that we have sinned. And if he can succeed in, in doing that and making us think that we've sinned, then what will happen is we will always live under a cloud of guilt. False guilt. And you know what ha- often happens when we experience guilt? then we many times medicate our guilt with more sin. We think, well, I've already blown it. There's just no way that I can do what's right. And so I might as well go ahead and sin and do it upright. Quit trying. And so as we begin this series, it's crucial that we understand that it is not a sin to be tempted. Amen? We're on the same page so far? All right. Let's move on to truth number two. You are never above temptation. I don't care who you are. If you're a senior adult and you think some of your fleshly desires have died down a bit or if you're a Christian that's been serving God for a hundred years, if, if you're a pastor, if you're a board member, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if, if you're someone that's had a squeaky clean image for decades, if you're super disciplined, if you've never fallen to any horrific sin, don't forget First Corinthians chapter 10. In the message, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. And and something that I've come to realize is that Satan, and I want you to listen to this, I was just thinking about this this week, Satan will not only attack us at our point of weakness, and he does that, but he will also attack us at our point of strength. I mean, how many times have we known a wonderful godly man? He he loved and he led his family spiritually, was so strong, yet one day we heard the news that he did something stupid and he fell morally. What happened? Well, Satan attacked him in his area of strength. And then how many times have we seen people that are wonderful and godly and and faithful to church and and they would never ever be found guilty of committing a moral sin, but, but Satan has learned how to attack them and he gets them to sometimes on a daily basis pick up the phone and sin by gossiping about other people behind their backs. And we would probably be shocked at how many of us sin this way, and probably I could just open the altar up, and if we were honest, many of us would have to come forward and confess the sin of gossip. And then how many times have we heard of someone who we would consider to be a wonderful person, and and maybe they, they have surgery And in the process of recovery, they find themselves hooked on prescription meds. And they begin a journey of addiction and dependency. And it started out so innocently. I'm telling you, Satan is a master at knowing how to attack us. And I found many times that those who might say, well, I would never, ever, ever do that. They're the people who end up falling the hardest and the fastest. You know, Scripture says that the heart is deceitful above all things, and, and this is scary, but any of us here could... We're, we're very capable of committing any number of terrible sins given the right environment. You're not above temptation. You're not above falling into sin. And neither am I. Well, let's go on to truth number three. God will never tempt you now God will test you but he will never tempt you and and know there's a huge difference between being tested and tempted you know we've come to the end of another school year but, but but let's say that a week ago and Landon I'll just use you as our example here um Let's say that a week or two ago, or whatever, you, you had a final exam to take. Um, why did you have to take that test? Well, to move you forward. You know, if, if you pass that test and, of course, pass the class, that shows that you have a sufficient grasp of the information necessary, what's necessary to move you forward out of the senior year into college and whatever God has planned for you. That's why God tests us to move us forward. I I think sometimes we wonder why why we why do we have to deal with the same issues over and over and over? And could it be that we're slow learners? And we keep flunking that test? And so God says, Man, He flunked it again? I guess I'm going to have to give him the same test over and over, hoping that one day he will actually pass that test, learn the lesson and pass the test, so I can move him forward to something else. So maybe if you feel like you're stuck and God's got you in this place and you keep encountering the same test over and over again, maybe, maybe you're flunking that test. And God's trying to get you to learn some lessons. So God tests us to move us forward, but learn this, Satan tempts us to move us backwards. Does that make sense? So, so God, when he sends a test, when he sends hard times, it's so that we can develop character and move forward. But when Satan brings a temptation, it's to move us backwards. Backwards. But through all of this, understand that God does not tempt us. James said it this way in James 1.13, And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else either. And I read something the other day that really intrigued me. Martin Luther, who uh, you know we consider him the father of the Great Reformation, but he, but he said... To be a theologian, you need three things. You need prayer, meditation, and temptation. Now, let me change that a little, uh, around a little bit because I don't think anybody here really wants to be a theologian. So, so let me say it this way. To be close to God, you need prayer, meditation, and, yes, temptation. Prayer is talking to God. Meditation is hearing from God and temptation is learning to depend upon God. So if we're going to have a close and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, we need prayer. We understand that we need meditation. We understand that. And yes, something that we may not understand, but yes, we need temptation because every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. And if you will depend on him during your temptations, then the Bible says that he is faithful to always give you a way out in your fleshly nature. You do not have the ability to say no, but through God's power, you can say no. Well, that leads us to truth number four. There is always a way out. Man, that's the good news. There is always a way out. And the the verse that we read says that no matter what temptation is staring you in the face, no, no matter, and if you've gone on into sin, no matter what sin has you hostage, there is always, always, always a way out. Would you say amen? And what do you think your way out might be? Well, we'll talk about this more next week, but let me just kind of give you a little bit in case you die uh, this week and you won't get to hear next week. Um, but one of the first things the Bible says to do is to confess it to God. You know, First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, God is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. But then you might also want to confess it to a close godly friend. Because Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says people who cover over their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. And, and so what this is saying is that we don't have to battle temptation alone. We're to be a community of believers that trusts each other. That's there for each other. And that's why at this church we push life groups, small groups, because... We need a community of believers around us that, that we can go to them and say, "I'm struggling here. Pray for me, support me. Hold me accountable." You know not only should we confess, but for others of you, if you've succumbed to temptation, the way out may be therapy or rehab. You may need some deep healing, maybe you need to even detox. You need distance, you need time. But whatever it is, there is a way out. There is a way out. There is a way out. Our God is faithful. There is always a way out. For a closing illustration, I want to be totally transparent with you and make a confession. And I know this really scares my wife. I didn't tell her I was going to do this, but I've held this within me for many years. And, and I feel that it's time for complete tr- transparency as your pastor this took place back in the 80s. I graduated from college and had become the manager of a car leasing agency, and we had around 100 cars or so that we leased out. And then the owner decided to bring in another business, a quick lube business, and he asked me to oversee that as well. And it was, it was a really good job, even though the two businesses were a, a pretty heavy load for just a recent grad from, from college. But then I found out that someone had been watching me for several months and, and this man came into the leasing agency office and began to try to recruit me away from my job and, and he offered me a position in, in the insurance business. And, and, and you know, I, the last thing I ever wanted to do was sell insurance. That and be a pastor. Uh, and so I resisted for a while. But uh, he, he kept hounding me week after week. And, and, and finally he said, Joe, you know what, I, I'm going to make you an offer And if you refuse this offer, you are an an absolute idiot. And and so uh, he he made the offer, and so I, I, I finally accepted the offer. And so even though it was scary as a newlywed that was trying to put my new wife through her last year of nursing school without going into debt and... I accepted his offer. And, uh, and things went really well. And, and God helped me to experience a good deal of success immediately. And I know sometimes in the insurance business, it takes several years to really build up the clientele. But but uh, God was in this. And, and, and just there was immediate success. All glory to him. And, and of course, I ended up then not being in the business more than a couple of years because God called us to the mission field. But, uh, but, but things went really well while I worked there. But But here's the confession part, and you're going to laugh a little bit. Because selling insurance, even though there was good money in it at times, it could be very stressful. And so to relieve some stress, I would often take a break and go to a video arcade and play video games for an hour or so. And that was back in the day when I wore a coat and tie. Can you imagine that? Uh, I, I wore a coat and tie to work in, and and so just just try to picture in your mind this that this guy dressed in a tie and a suit coat playing video games at an arcade with a bunch of rowdy kids. But I, but I did that on a, on a fairly regular basis, and 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 I understand that this was in the olden days when the video games were really uh, really good. Uh, some of the outstanding ones were Pac Man yeah. and Donkey Kong. Anybody remember that? Oh yeah. And uh, those were the glory days of video games. And how about asteroids? Anybody remember asteroids? Oh, man. Uh, The graphics were so incredibly advanced. And, well, you know, maybe not. Uh, Looking back on it, it was almost embarrassing how bad the graphics were. And, you, you know, the graphics were just shapes. Um. And, and, and asteroids had a, uh, you know, simple triangle that, that was your, your spaceship. And, and, and I got a picture of some of the graphics there. They're there the graphics on asteroids. Uh, isn't that just awesome? Uh, and, and, and so, you know, uh, the, the triangle was your spaceship. And, uh, but if you've never gotten to play Asteroids, you missed out on so much, uh, it was so exciting. And, and these asteroids would come flying at you and you would shoot them down. I mean, it was complex. Um, now if you're about to get in trouble with maybe two asteroids coming at you at the same time, uh, you, you could just hit the, uh, the high, uh, uh, you, you, could actually hit the, the thrust and, and move your spaceship around. That was advanced. Uh, and, and again, I'm sorry if you didn't get to experience it, but, um, now the illustration is about to get cheesy, so, so try to work with me, okay? Don't make fun of me here. Don't hurt my feelings, but, um, you know, when, when it really got complicated, there was another button in, in the in the center of your your, your controller and, and it was called the hyper space button. Anybody remember that? Oh yeah. Some of you 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 know you know all about this. And and you hit that button and boom, your spaceship would disappear and it would come back at another place on the screen. I'm telling you the technology was fabulous and so advanced. Now, uh, again, try to work with me here. Don't don't hurt my feelings. But in the kingdom of God, there's a button, and it's not called hyperspace, but it's called hyper grace. Don't don't boo me, okay? I, I told you it's cheesy. But what I want to get across is that in life, when you're tempted and you're getting weak and and you're about to fall, then just hit the button. Everybody say, hit the button, hit the button. You know, when temptations come flying at you, just hit the button. As the donuts are calling out to you ever so sweetly, just hit the button and, and get your tail away from the donut corner. You know, as you're driving by the jogger and you're thinking you need to turn around for another, look, hit the button and keep on going. For you young people, your boyfriend in the back seat is pressuring you to do something that you shouldn't do. Hit the button. In fact, hit it twice. And then hit him for good measure. (laughs) And kick him out of the car. In the name of Jesus. (sighs) And as you see that ad on the computer that would get you a brief moment of satisfaction that would, would lead you into a world of lust, hit the button... As you and your spouse are arguing, throwing around the D word, you know, the divorce word. Just hit the button and realize the real answer is not divorce, but rather it's to humble yourself and and love as Christ loved and resolve those marriage issues. As you feel you're completely stuck in a world of addiction to substances or hydrocodone And you think there's no way out, just hit the button and realize that there are people and agencies and a God that would love to help you conquer your vice. And as you pick up the phone to share some juicy information you just heard, just hit the button and hang up that phone and instead begin praying for them. Regardless of your temptation, God has promised, and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up under its, uh, against it when you are tempted. He will show you a way out so that you will not give into it. God always gives a way out. You yourself may not be strong enough to resist those wrong desires, but Christ in you, Christ in you, that means you hit the button. And He will give you a way out. And remember that when the temptation comes, it's an invitation to depend on Christ. Every time you're tempted, God is inviting you to trust in Jesus because he's faithful. When you are tempted, he will always give you a way out. So uh, this morning, I don't know your area of temptation, but you got it. You got one. hit the button, call on God, call on some friends. You don't have to be a slave. You can be freed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all of the promises in your word. Lord, thank you that we don't have to fall into sin. We will be tempted, but we don't have to go the next step. Of sinning. God, let us live a victorious life. Lord, I pray that you would help us in this week. If we find ourselves enslaved or in the grip of a substance or a vice or a relationship or a mentality, an attitude, Lord, I pray that you would deliver us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to live a life that's victorious. And I know today, I know today there's not a premium on living a holy life. A life of holiness, it's, there's not a premium on that. It's kind of like, well, we all sin. We'll just kind of deal with it. Just make sure you ask forgiveness every night before you go to bed. And, and then we do the same thing again tomorrow. Father, there's not a premium on living a holy life. And I pray, God, that you in us, that together we could withstand the temptations that come our way. Father, let us us be overcomers more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Not through discipline, not through trying harder, but through Jesus Christ. And Father, I just pray for those this morning that are maybe hopeless. They've tried and they've tried. They've tried to get out of the grip of Satan. But I pray that this week... Lord, that you would just show yourself powerful to them and give them the hopefulness. Lord, give them the faith. Give them the strength to be able to break free. And Lord, we want to live free. Who He who has the Son is free indeed. And so, Lord, uh, just go with us this week. And Lord, prepare our hearts as we delve in deeper into this topic, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts so that we would, not, uh, we would not be on a chain tied up to Satan, but rather we would be free. Thank you. We love you. We pray these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you